Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without a lot of geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about tech that's important to us and important to you. Speaking of important to us, we want to thank Cardinal Capital, to business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your bank. Even if you do though, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important to banks, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they'll help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net, call 225-308-3700, or email them info at cardinalcap.net. So, Mr. Davis, let's do some tech gumbo today. Very excited about it. To start off with, Google has introduced a new system for tracking on the Chrome browser users. So this is a topic which we've been following for a while now. Google being one of the biggest advertisers that exists, also being one of the biggest data collectors that exists and tying them together, have looked for new ways to advance privacy while also advancing their own business interests. Over the summer, we, we talked a lot about the idea of cohorts, but after some pushback, after some criticism, Google has now rescinded that plan and they're moving towards something which they're calling topics instead. So if you go back to 2019, Google said they were gonna do away with their third-party trackers in Chrome. It made a lot of the third-party advertisers very, very nervous because they were making money using all of that information from the, the tracking inside of Chrome. Folks in the European Union, other privacy advocates, they started really, really pounding the drums and Google paid attention and said, okay, let's try something different this time. So the these topic areas will be a bit more vague, a bit more broad. It's also important to know that they won't be entirely machine learning generated. One of the things which sometimes happens whenever you have machine learning algorithms crawl through data sets is that it finds connections that you weren't looking for. And those connections might turn out to be more important than you realize and also might turn out to be sensitive information. You might be connecting things and learning things about people that was otherwise private and they don't want you to know about them. And so the goal here is that by not having machine learning generate these topic groups, but having them be human controlled, you're going to do a much better job of not accidentally learning all those extra things about people. So Google was supposed to have rolled out all of this, this end of the third party tracking 
last year, but they pushed back another two years to the end of 2023. And they said they're going to, this information is only going to stay live for three weeks or so. And, and so it's not going to be forever and ever kept information and somebody can go back and track. It's going to be a rolling topic about you. But even though the topics will only exist for three weeks, Google continues to keep a permanent record of all of people's search histories, and that still will stick around. However, you can go into the privacy settings and adjust them, but critics note that the privacy controls are ineffective because they're difficult for the average person to find. So at least there's some progress. Two steps forward, one step back? Maybe we'll get there eventually. Maybe not. Moving overseas, the hacktivists have hacked into the Belarus train system to stop the Russian military buildup. We have been talking about ransomware and what a plague on our society that it is. This is one of the first times that we're talking about ransomware actually actually doing something useful for us. It is these hacktivists have reached into the Belarus rail system central control and locked everything. That's right. So when you go to buy a ticket to hop on the train there in Belarus, you get a notice popped up and says, attention passengers, for technical reasons, this system's been shut down. And that technical reason is because they've been whacked with ransomware and the rail system can't move all the the Russian military equipment around. There's some 5,000 miles of, of railway, and and Ru- Russia's got 30-something trains loaded with equipment, and they can't move because the trains are on the track that are all stuck. The hacktivists have announced their demands. They say, hey, you know, we're not, we're not doing this just to, to, just to mess with you. We have very specific things we want out of this. We have specifically not gone after emergency systems. You know, we have not gone after security systems. We, we have done this in a very targeted manner. They're, they're really being white hat hackers here. You know, if, if you're going to outline a list of things to do to make this morally justifiable, they're hitting those on the head and you really got to, you got to hand it to them here. The fact that they've even come out and said, hey, look, we're not trying to hurt anybody. We're trying to stop people from being hurt. I mean, this is the exact opposite of everything that every ransomware has been doing for all the years that ransomware has been around. This is kind of clever. Oh, yeah. I like like this instance of it. It does make me concerned that more people will get ideas about what can be done with ransomware. And as we'll talk about in the second segment, whenever you have small groups of people who have this much power in their hands... They don't always make the best decisions with it. But in this case, this does seem to be a, a pretty good use of what is otherwise a pretty nefarious technology. But it also points to what we've talked about many, many times and how the the major utilities are so vulnerable in railways or utilities. Yeah. And it, it's not a uniquely American problem that utilities are vulnerable. This is true for everybody all over the world. No country has its infrastructure well defended from cybersecurity attacks. Most of the most countries in the world barely have their infrastructure defended, period. 
And so it, when you get to advanced, you know, rolling, updating attacks that are changed minute by minute like this, it's just who who do you want to go after here? Interesting that the hacktivists have stepped up and taken on the Russian military without ever pulling a trigger on, on a gun. Oh, this is the future of warfare right here. We, we've said that many times before that in, in nation states, we've left the, the bullets. It'll either be very, very large bombs or it'll be nothing at all. Ones and zeros are going to be fired much more than any bullet in any future war, or Absolutely. at least will be fired first. And are probably already being fired. It's just whether or not we're privy to it. Moving along, it's been a while since we've talked about Starlink and or Elon Musk. So we figured we might as well catch up and see what's going on. Yeah, we have to meet our quota here. Um, this one, this one felt like it was worth it, though. They have announced that they finally have the technology to have the, the laser-based connectivity. So the satellites can talk to each other and share information back and forth with each other across the globe. Starlink, is, they've confirmed now that their laser-based operations is, is about to begin, that you know, they've got just under 1,500 satellites that are actively you know, using the Internet, got another almost 300 that are moving into operational orbits. The laser link's about to start off with the, the Falcon 9 taking off every couple of weeks with another 50 to 100 of these satellites. They're throwing them up there as fast as they can get them, and they're trying to get their global internet everywhere they can. This laser connectivity uh, coming online is a huge step in that process because it means that you're now able to have the satellites cover a bit more area, cover your area a bit more effectively. This is a, a big step for them and shows that while they may not be delivering on what they are promising altogether, they are taking steps forward here. And they're also changing their satellite dishes now to where you can be much more commercial with them. So if you want to put a satellite dish on a, a multi-tenant building or in a bar that you want to have multiple TVs hooked up to, they are making those dishes much, much more capable to have many, many more people sharing that, that data. That's interesting. I think that it's a good step for them is probably important. I'm curious as to what the actual percentage of the user base this reaches, because as of right now, their marketing pitch is, hey, you person in remote part of the country or remote part of the world, we can now bring you internet access. Probably don't have a sports bar that has four or five different TVs in the middle of nowhere. You, you probably just have a, a difference. You know, when you start to get that density, you get other environmental factors. Well, if you're a hotel along the interstate that has 50 rooms or 100 rooms and you're 30 miles from town, you may not have good Internet out there. So you want Internet for your your hotel guests. I could see that would be a good use. I think that it's going to have to ultimately depend upon how much Internet can they really push through. Because if you're still at the level of a one household, maybe two households, this makes sense. But to support the entire internet consumption of a hotel, of a 50-room hotel, you're going to be taking lots of steps up in your reliability, in your quality, in your bandwidth. Not really, because if you have 50 rooms, not all 50 rooms are going to be banging the internet simultaneously. 
I agree. It's going to be distributed over different times. You might have your peak moment. It's better than what they have now. Well, that ain't great. It's it's certainly going to still be a step up if you're out there on on highway whatever in the middle of nowhere. Okay, good. Yeah, that makes sense. That's at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be better than what you have currently. Which brings up another point that it doesn't have to be perfect, but those perfect pictures that everyone has been taking of the night sky is not quite as perfect as it once was because of all of these satellites that are spinning around the Earth. The astrophotography community, both the professional community of the researchers as well as amateur amateur astrophotographers are very upset because all of these satellites streaking across the sky are streaking across their pictures as well. And so these beautiful galaxies and nebulas all of a sudden have just some some smudges on them, and that doesn't play well. No, it doesn't, because when you have these multicolor, beautiful pictures, and then looks, looks like just, you know, just streaks across the page like your printer didn't work, it just... Oh man, these people have got to be furious. And and when you think they're only just under two thousand total satellites spinning around Earth right now, and their goal is to be over four thousand satellites to get to fourteen thousand by the year twenty twenty five, then it's gonna be like swatting mosquitoes in the South Louisiana summer. And it's also important because it's not just that these photos are less aesthetically pleasing. You're also harming the ability to do research on them. That's a lot of this astrophotography data is used to conduct the highest level of experiments and to really push forth this entire branch of science. And so you have a lot of people who are very prominent, brilliant astrophysicists who are just furious about this for good reasons. And SpaceX is trying. They're going to make it better. But their solution isn't perfect. No, they're going to make these satellites less shiny. They're going to be less reflective by as much as 6%. They're, yeah, they're dropping about 6% by the end of the year. And then they're trying to equip the new ones with visors that will prevent the reflection off of the mirrors up there. And that will, will drop the brightness five times, which is, which is an important number. But that new, much dimmer brightness is still brighter than what the astrophysicists want. It'll still show up. It'll still cause problems. And all of these satellites, are they're, none of them are permanent. They all, over time, will deorbit and burn up on reentry, and they'll just keep putting up more. So as they put up more newer satellites... They will continue to try and make them less bright and less reflective and, and screw up fewer and fewer people's images. But in the meantime, if you're using Hubble or the James Webb you know, telescopes out there in space, you're going to get to see some streaks. Yeah, you have to think that the astrophysicist community doesn't love being told, oh, well, don't worry. Five to ten years from now, the problem will slowly start to cycle down. But until then, good luck. That's not an answer they're probably very excited about. No, I can't imagine that they would be. And one other problem that SpaceX is having. In 2015, the Falcon 9 rocket took off trying to escape the 
the Earth and Moon's gravitational pull, but it kind of got out of control and didn't make the leap. And so it's been floating around the Earth and the Moon for the past six years, spinning out of control. And guess what? One guy has finally done the math. Bill Gray, who writes for the Project Pluto software, he has calculated that it'll hit the moon on March 4th. And NASA is pretty excited about this because, you know, anytime you know exactly whenever you're going to have an impact, they'll be able to point some satellites at it and then all of a sudden capture some astrophotography data about what happens when you have something like this hit the moon. So on March 4th, this is supposed to hit the far side of the moon near the equator. It's going to kick up a whole lot of dust because this thing's coming in, coming in hot. I mean, it's moving along 17,500 miles an hour or however fast it's gotten up to because of the, the gravitational speed that, that picks up zipping around the Earth. It's going to it's going to make a big hole. The moon has a, a bunch of meteoroids that collide with it often, but theirs are mostly random. And so you don't have the opportunity to sit there and train the cameras on it and really see what's happening. You know, maybe you catch one on a good day, but this actually, you'll be able to dedicate more resources to it and maybe you actually be able to catch some more interesting things you wouldn't normally be able to because you're much more certain of this impact. And this thing's coming in at four metric tons. This is not a lightweight, just a couple of little pieces falling off of a, of a spaceship somewhere. This is the full rocket. When it's going in that big, that heavy, and going to hit the moon, not that it's going to knock the moon off of its orbit or anything like that, but it's going to leave an impact, and we're going to get to see it. You actually probably will be able to, you know, if it comes in at an angle and then leaves a, a trail as it like skids and skips across the surface, you probably be able to see that from a telescope. Probably won't be able to see it happen live, but uh, I would definitely believe that 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 will be a permanent fixture on the moon's surface. Well, it's supposed to hit the far side of the moon, so we won't see it from a, a telescope. Well, we'll have two problems. We won't see it because of all the streaks going across the sky. That's one reason we won't see it live, but but also being on the dark side. That's why, you know, when NASA gets some of those satellites kind of spun around, turn them around, watching, get your popcorn out. It's going to be fun watching. Yeah, that's a good point. I had forgotten that I mentioned that they were going to land on the far side. But even still, you know, this this will be something... There'll probably be some pretty cool research to come out of this. You know, maybe maybe we'll um, talk to some of our experts in that field to see what they what they're pulling up from this. Because what they don't know is if it is going to just skip in or if it's going to be a direct dive. If it's going to come in at a ninety degree angle, you know, bounce and skip, or if it's coming straight down, then that's going to make a big difference as to what it what it does. Oh yeah, it turns out the the rocket physics, the rocket science is pretty hard and has a lot of different variables involved in it and even small changes one degree versus five degrees is enough to get pretty big differences in in your re-entry and part of the problem too is because this thing is is spinning out of control it's not going in like a ballistic missile it's coming in like a curveball it it's and so as it comes toppling you know head over heels and it starts hitting some of the moon's what little bit of atmosphere the moon has it's still going to impact how the moon, how it, how it 
how it impacts the the moon. Yeah, there there's a lot of different factors at play here, which will be cool to see play out. You know, now we'll, we'll have all this data. We'll be know exactly what's happening as it's going in, and we want to see exactly what result it has. And so we will get back to you after March 4th and let you know. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider, delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the Southeast United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 100 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services team can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strengths. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show today or you want to go back and hear us as a podcast, check out any previous episodes available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Music, Amazon Music, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe to get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show, you have any suggestions, or you have a question, shoot us a text, 225-255-0431. If we use your question as the question of the week, we will send you a free Tech Gumbo mug. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.